Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Helen Keller said, it's a terrible thing to see and have no vision. So, as you sit there this morning, what is it that you want for your life? What is it you dream about? What is it that you hope for? Hebrews chapter 11 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. Faith is defined not by what we see with our eyes, not by what we know we can accomplish by human effort, not by what is firmly in our grasp, not by if we just keep doing what we've always done, we'll still accomplish it anyway. Faith is being defined by what can only happen if God works in my life. What can only happen if God intervenes, if God changes a heart, if God accomplishes what wouldn't seem to make sense. That's where faith enters the picture. Romans 8 verse 24 says, who hopes for what he already has? You know, sometimes our faith grows stale because we stop hoping, we stop desiring, and we think that Being content means without desires. And so we go to to really be a Christian and spiritual. I just need to kind of hope for nothing. I just need to want a trouble-free day. You know, be I just need to want to get by and smile with it, and then that's being content. No, that's being faithless. That's trying to live by sight. It's trying to accomplish what we would do anyway. You say, how many things right now that we're striving after are are we going to accomplish without God? And what is it that we're hoping for that is only going to happen if God intervenes? You know, San Antonio uh, was an incredible time. I loved the fellowship. Uh, The singing was amazing. Uh, The great news, hearing from disciples all over the world and the different things that are happening and the the inspiration that's there. Uh, It was great talking with Sergei Kononenko, big, big Sergei, if you remember him. Uh, He's hard to forget. But I I remember a little over a year ago we were talking and uh, their region, the south region of Moscow, was in rough shape financially. Things were very tight. Because Moscow, a number of years back, made the decision, we want all the mission money to go to the outlying churches because we want to get the gospel preached to cities outside of Moscow. And so that, that made things really, really tight. And Sergey was like, there's things that we want to do, but, but we can't because we don't have money. And I remember it was a short conversation that I just said, Sergey, God has enough money to do whatever he wants to do. Moscow has some of the richest people in the world. Just pray for one of those guys. And Sergey came up at the conference and uh, introduced me to uh, one of the brothers there. He said, hey, remember the talk? And I was like, no, what talk? You know, the one about having vision about money? 
He goes, I think we found the guy. And uh, he didn't speak much English, but I said, hey, are you enjoying the conference? He goes, oh, I love it. It's incredible. And uh, he was so fired up. And I go, well, Sergey, we had lunch with him and Oksana. I said, well, tell me more. And he said, well, you you know, we wanted to try and get people to go to San Antonio. But it's expensive, as you know. You've got to get visas and the flights from Moscow are, are not cheap and all the arrangements. And... So we're trying to figure out what to do. And so I just sat down with our our new brother. And I go, what would you tell him? And he goes, well, I asked him. He goes, well, how much was the new car you just bought? And he goes, $150,000. And he said, well, how about instead of buying another new car, you just help disciples fly to San Antonio? And he said, and he thought about it. And he goes, okay, I'll pay for 20 people to go to San Antonio. You know, I said, Sergey, I go, I'm proud of you. Because, you know what, God helped this guy become a Christian. But without you calling him to have a greater vision for what he could do with all his resources, all he would have had is another nice car. But instead, 20 disciples' lives were impacted because he said, Oh, yeah, I think I have a vision for helping impact disciples. You know, it was great with Sergey and Elena. Amen. You clap for that. That's awesome. You know, Sergey and Elena, the Lamekins, they were here. They spoke last Sunday, and then they were with us at midweek. And we got to spend a lot of great time with them. And, uh, you know, right before they flew out, we were spending time on Friday. And uh, Elena just shared, you know, this time it was so impacting because we've heard the stories and uh, and we've seen your church, but in a special way, We're inspired by your teens, your campus, and your singles ministry. Because in Nizhny Novgorod, where they're at, they now have one, well, almost one teen in their teen ministry. No college student, and only a few singles. And they said, we remember you sharing about Santa Clarita. And seven years ago, it was the same situation. And so now, to be able to be a part of your church and see what God has done is incredible. And and I sat down and I I just made a list and I thought, you know what, just from those ministries, not only do we have awesome disciples here, send people to Canada, China, Dubai, Dallas, Virginia, UC Davis, Malibu, CSUN, San Diego, and Minnesota. That's from a ministry that seven years ago didn't have anybody represented. Now we got great ministries here and are sending people to help and be a part of those, those groups. And you look and you go, it's inspiring to see what God does. But if you took a step back seven years ago, and a number of you were here seven years ago, and you remember, you know, we were still a fine-looking bunch. But let's just say the average age was a different ratio. Now, we still had a lot of kids. You guys are good at kids. Experts, expert builders. But if you would have thought, okay, seven years from now, here's the way the church is going to look like. Here's different ministries that will be encouraged. By that, you go, oh, I don't know. 
But see, that's what God can accomplish. And see, when you live by faith, then exciting things happen. But are you trying to live with vision that requires God or just by sight? Go over to Matthew chapter 7. You know, Jesus wanted us to understand that God wants us to desire things. He said, we're wired that way. It's good to want. Now, we can become greedy and materialistic, and that's not good. But having desires and things that we want and dreams that we want to live out, that is a godly concept. And that's why Jesus says in verse 7 in chapter 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. You know, the glory of God is found in answered prayer, not in the request. You know, when is God glorified? When he does something miraculous in response to the request. And unanswered prayer is just that. The spectacular nature of prayer is when God steps in and says, All right, here you go. You know, I was fired up to be driving to San Antonio with my wife and both my sons in the car fired up about going to the conference. Because a year ago, we weren't sure that's what was going to happen. You know, I thought uh, some of the people who are in this room, our neighbors, the Valdiviezos, you know, they're in this room. You know, and it's awesome. Vision being fulfilled, the Dirds' neighbors. Judy Burks, she's in this room. That's right. You know, uh, Gordo's sister. Oh, was that a secret? Carolina Felici. You know, after 18 years, she's in this room. You know, there's people that are in this room that a year ago, you said, well, It'd be great, but I don't know. It's going to take God. But people were praying. Days, weeks, months, years, a decade and an eighth. But you know who is most fired up? God. You know, we're encouraged. We're fired up. But God is like, yeah, I wanted to answer your prayer. Oh, I'm so fired up about it. It doesn't always happen the way that we want. But God says, oh yeah, ask. But sometimes we think it's unspiritual to ask. But the only way you can pray without asking is not desire anything. That's a boring way to live. You go, I'm just being content. Yeah, fooey. I don't believe you. Now, a lot of times when we stop asking God, we haven't stopped asking the world for its treasures. I think we're all asking somebody. The question is, what are we asking for? You know, what do you pray about daily? Not monthly. Because there's a lot of things we'll ask once in a while. I'm not, what, what are you passionate about? What do you really want 
You see, that's where you know what your desires are. It's the things that you don't forget to pray about. You couldn't have a prayer time with God and not pray about that desire. That's where you know the desire is present. But if we're going to get our desires answered, we must go to Jesus. Go to, go to Mark chapter 5. You got a large crowd around Jesus, and it says in verse 25, a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet Trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. One of the things I love about this, this woman is the Bible makes sure we know that she had tried all the wisdom the world had to offer. And she'd suffered under the care of many doctors. Now, we know their medicine back then was pretty archaic. Modern medicine's pretty good. But you know, sometimes you try everything you can that the world has to offer, and you don't get any better. You know, you could stop right there and just be bitter and say, well, God obviously doesn't care about me. Because if he did, then this would have been my solution, or this would have been my solution, or this would have been my solution. Jesus didn't even have a conversation. She just heard about him. And she came up with this plan. She goes, all I need to do is touch his clothes. And it's just, you know, a crowd. So you know it wasn't easy to get to Jesus. And she touches his clothes and Jesus' power has gone out from me. When's the last time Jesus was living life up in heaven and said, power has gone out from me? And then he looked around and he goes, oh, it was you. You touch me. Yeah, you know, Jesus, I just thought if I can just be connected to you, that will solve my problem. You know, Jesus is the answer. He is the place we must go to connect. Now, Satan tries to get us connected to anything but Jesus. Because you don't get ten different connecting points. You can only have one main one. And so if Satan can just get you to latch on to something other than Jesus... No connection to him is available. Say, 
is your connection used with Jesus? Are you locked in? If you're not, you got to let go to whatever it is to connect to him. You know, I love this story because she didn't have a precedent before her. You know, this wasn't a have to. This wasn't a checklist. She was passionate. And she said, I've got to connect to Jesus. She did not say, I just need to have a quiet time. If I can just have a quiet time. That'll take away my bleeding. No, she said, I, I've got to connect to Jesus. You know, sometimes we treat connection with Jesus as just, oh, yeah, you know, it's fine if you want to. But if, if not, I mean, you know, you're not going to be lost because you don't. You know, it, desires are satisfied when we're connected to Jesus. It doesn't always happen the way that we want. Go to Romans chapter 5. You know, the woman went away satisfied. She went away healed, but she went away spiritually healed. But the road to get to Jesus was a difficult one says 12 years of bleeding and then she had to fight through a crowd to get there you say well why why didn't jesus help her earlier well maybe if he passed by at the 10-year mark she wouldn't have been desperate for jesus you know god has his timing and i love what roman says in chapter 5 it says in verse 3, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You know, as a Christian, hope, hope is, is the end product. You think about faith, you think about desire. It's in hope. But what are the things that get you there? Suffering, perseverance, and character. Now, if you are like me, you don't like those aspects. We just want the hope. Just give me the sermon on hope. You know, where's the, where's the bypass route? Where's the toll road so I don't have to go through the obstacles and I can just go from here to hope? There's no shortcut the suffering. So what does suffering have to do with hope? Well, I think if faith was easy, everyone would have it. If faith was easy, we wouldn't have to rely on God. And most of the time, suffering is beating out the pride in our own heart until we finally go, okay, God, I'm going to depend on you. And then it becomes perseverance. And we go, well, I only want to have to depend on him this week. And then I want the victory. Now, see, that's where it's perseverance, suffering over a period of time. 
what happens if you quit at the perseverance phase? You don't build your character and you don't get to hope. You know, there's just, there's no shortcuts in the process. But we, we want hope. We want faith. We want desire. And God says, I know it. I hear your prayer and I'm trying to work in your life. Hang with me. There's no easy perseverance. There's no easy character building. There's no read this book and tomorrow morning you're going to be better. Life doesn't work that way. Yeah, I thought about one of the stories that uh, Sergei uh, Lamekin, who spoke last Sunday, told. He said, I remember I'd gotten baptized in Moscow, and then they decided we're going to send out three mission teams. And he goes, I I really wanted to uh, find a girlfriend. I wanted to be married. And he said, and I thought about it. And he goes, okay, there's St. Petersburg. There's Kiev, and there's Novosibirsk. He said, Novosibirsk is in Siberia. There's no wives for me in Siberia. So, I am praying to go to St. Petersburg. But if not St. Petersburg, then Kiev. And God, do not send me to Novosibirsk. Well, as you can imagine... Romans 5 applies in Russia, too. They got all the people that wanted to go to mission teams again. They divided up into the three groups, and they said, here you go. And Sergei was in the Novosibirsk group. He said, in all of his time in Novosibirsk, he went on many, many dates. He said the last date he went on before he moved back to Moscow was Elena. And that's where his wife was. You know, and it's, it's, Sergey's like, I'm so glad I went to Novosibirsk because I married a good Siberian woman. <laughs> you know, God knew the desires of his heart, but sometimes, you know, we get our plan and God says, no, I'm trying to answer your prayer, but your prayer is going to be answered in Novosibirsk. Yeah, I don't want to go there. I want my dream answered, but I want to go here. And God's like, I'm trying to answer it. It's like people say sometimes, well, I want a boyfriend or I want a girlfriend. And, and, you know, God doesn't care about me. I always like to say, well, remember that he also cares about the person that you're praying for. Maybe you're the reason that it's not happening. I mean, God didn't want to punish that person. Yeah, life's all about perspective, isn't it? But are you anywhere on the, the suffering, perseverance, character scale? I'll tell you what, every battle for faith that you've had in your life, if you look back, you'll see this. Now that phone's rang a couple times. I held my tongue the first time. It's happening again. I won't say who it is on the, on the thing. Yep, maybe by, like school, you're going to have to come and put it up here, and your parents are going to have to come and get it. And that'll get your parents to church. That'll be awesome. But are, are you somewhere on that scale? Maybe you're tempted to give up. 
You know, you're persevering. But you're like, it's not working. It's not happening. You see, how do you know when you've made it to the character development when it doesn't feel like perseverance anymore? You know, suffering, you're just slugging it out. Perseverance, you've got a spiritual perspective, but you're fighting those internal battles each and every day to keep it. Character is you've kind of arrived, but yet you haven't totally won the victory yet. It's a progression. And I want to encourage you, whatever it is you're going after, don't give up the hope. You say, I'm just suffering right now. Well, then keep on at it. Sometimes the greatest victory is just hanging in there for one more day. Not quitting. That's a victory. Sometimes, uh, you know, we, we we look at these great successes and we think that, oh, for that person, it was just victory after victory after victory. And my life's not that way. No. There's always failures along the way. There's always hardships. But the woman who was bleeding for 12 years, she said, I just got to get to Jesus. No matter what I do, the most important thing we do every day is connect to Jesus. Are you locked in? Jesus is where we must go. Go to John chapter 5. Starting in verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. You know, you read this story, and what I love about this interaction is this guy wasn't really even on board. But he obeyed the Lord. Now, you get a little later in the interaction, in verse 14, Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, we'll do some deep Bible study. The fact that Jesus said, Stop sinning, means that he was sinning. You with me on that? There you go. It says that in the Hebrew and the English and the Greek. What's the point? The God's sin in his life. And it clouded his vision. So much so that when the healer of all wounds stood in front of him and said, Do you want to get well? Instead of just saying yes, he started blaming other people. Jesus, you don't understand. Let me tell you what my problem is. I don't have the right people helping me. Somebody else gets healed, I get no healing. Jesus didn't ask him that. He said, what do you want? 
What do you hope for? What is your desire? Sin will put us in such a fog that when Jesus says, do you want to get well, you don't even say yes. And I can think of times in my life where I was so locked up into blaming other people and bitterness that I had all kinds of solutions right in front of me and, and people would help me. And they'd try and talk to me. And all I could talk about is what everybody else had done and failed me. You know, when Jesus got to the heart of the matter and he said, stop sinning or something worse may happen. If you've got sin in your life that you're not repenting of, you're not open about, that you're not working on, it's a waste of time to talk about vision. Now, Jesus can still work in your life. He did in this guy's life. The repentance didn't occur until after the healing. But that was because he was willing to obey Jesus. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just, okay, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, that's, that's what I will do right now. He said, well, my faith isn't solid. My belief isn't there. My commitment isn't strong. Don't worry about it. Obey. Jesus has incredible plans. Jesus did not save us to live boring, dull lives. He wants each one of us to aspire to great things. And that, that was one of the things that I, I was so moved in San Antonio. You, you know, you see 18,000 people there worshiping God, and it's just like, oh, man. Because it's so easy in the Christian life to just exist and feel like my life is good enough. It's, you know, righteous enough. I'm accomplishing enough. Instead of going, yeah, but let's do something spectacular. You go, well, what's spectacular? Why don't you get a vision? Lead a Bible talk. You go, oh, I can't lead a Bible talk. God thinks you can. Become an elder in the church. You know, serve in some way. Do something great. But something, aspire to something that you could only accomplish if God intervenes. You see, that's where life becomes exciting. You know, otherwise, we just wake up and live our life day after day after day after day. But when you get that vision, then life becomes exciting. Pray the prayer. God, use me to impact the most possible people. Baptize one of your neighbors, co-workers, family members. Impact their life. Have the talk. Get in there. Encourage, challenge, do whatever you got to do. It's so much more fun to have disciples in the neighborhood than when you're the only one. Pray about it and then get out there and invite. It's awesome when you got family members that are disciples. It's awesome when you have coworkers 
that are disciples. It's different fellowship at work. Say, what's your vision? What will you do when you leave today? Will you do what you've always done? Or will you aspire to greatness? Will you go to Jesus? Will you keep persevering? Will you do everything you can to connect? If there's sin in your life, will you repent? You know, there's not a one of us that doesn't love excitement and vision. And God designed you for that purpose. Don't let Satan block the road. Let's have vision and not sight. God wants us to desire, but Jesus is where we got to go. Let's follow along that suffering, perseverance, character. And it says hope will not disappoint. Let's keep that hope in front of us. Let's live the exciting life and accomplish all that God has in mind for each one of us. Let's stand and we close in prayer. All right.